Hi, Thomas. Welcome in the studio. Yeah, hello. Glad to be here. In this third uh, Forward TV episode, we're going to talk about headless. What is headless? Well, depending on who you ask the question, you're going to get a different answer. Uh, over the years, you're, you've heard terms like composable commerce, composable service, microservices, uh, simply just separating your front end from your back end. It goes from a simple system to very complex really quickly. But in its basis, what headless means is API first. It means that your system is exposed to the outside world through APIs. Uh, all of the configuration, all of the data is exposed to external systems so that they can fetch what they need, configure what they need uh, and build their own storefront or maybe a different system like Alexa can talk to your system, get the information it needs to provide a solution to maybe towards uh, other companies or towards consumers. So it's it's a really broad term with a lot of yeah, different answers behind it, which has caused quite a bit of confusion over the years uh, because everyone had a different story mm -hmm. about Headless. But what could be the pros of, of, of taking this approach? Well, if we're, if we're looking at a Headless approach towards the monolithic approach where everything is in one system, the main advantage of it is going to be flexibility. If you're going to separate your systems, uh, like your front end from your back end, uh, you can have different teams managing uh, those systems. You can have different release cycles. You can have one team just focusing on the front end and even within that front end, different teams, one on the checkout, one on the uh, my account, etc., and quickly release new features, try out new things. Uh, if, if we're looking at uh, an older system, not so agile, so Headless is an approach that really fits in well with agile, quick releases to try out some new things. Uh, you want to do some A-B testing, uh, but there's a big backend integration going on and your frontend has to wait for it to finish and you're doing a release maybe every month, every three months. And that doesn't really provide you with the flexibility to try out new things, especially in e-commerce. If you're looking at releases, you want to try out new things really quickly to see if it can get you conversion. Uh, a quick change on the PDP that you want to do or on your lister page. But if you have to wait one month or two months every time for your change, yeah, then you don't really have a good way to, to, to measure the impact. Now that's one of the uh, the advantages. Uh, another is also separation of concerns, as they say it. Every mm -hmm. system does what it does best. You have uh, your e-commerce system providing all of the tools uh, for baskets. You're at the baskets, product data promotions, possibly uh, cam some campaigns mixed in there, and maybe a different system, a content management system that really does. What it, uh, I mean, your, does your content really well, better mm -hmm. than your e-commerce system if it was in one system and just provides the APIs for that. And your storefront can call both systems uh, and you can get best of both worlds. You get the best CMS combined with the best e-commerce and then you, you use what you need to build your storefront. And that also comes to the maybe not so positive side. It adds a lot of complexity. You ha instead of one system that you need to look at, you have three systems, or maybe four or five, depending on how far you want to want to take this road. If if we're talking 
just separating storefront from the backend, uh, where still the backend takes up all takes up all of your concerns, your promotions, your content, your products, uh, campaigns, uh, A/B testing, etc. You have two systems to worry mm -hmm. about: your backend and your frontend. But if you have, if you say you go the microservices way of working, the more complex way. Uh, you have a system that does promotions, you have a system that does your product data, you have a system that just handles your basket slash checkout, uh, you have your content somewhere else as well. Those are all systems that you need to look at. If, if there's a problem, you have to look at six, seven systems to figure out where is this going wrong. Uh, you also have multiple servers to, to look at. If you look at the monolithic approach where mm. everything is one system, there's a performance issue. You have to look at one system. Uh, the site is slow. Okay, we're going to look at that one system and see, okay, that's where it is. We know it's there because it's the only system we have. But if you have six, seven systems all working together, possibly in a perfect way, but of course, if there's a problem, uh, AWS goes down. Mm -hmm. And one of those services was on AWS. You need to figure out... Where is that issue? Where, yeah, indeed. Which of those services was on AWS and which is affected and why is it slowing down everything? Is this supposed to happen? Uh, and and how, how do you figure out which system it is? You need to look in so many different places and possibly also communicate with all of those different vendors. Uh, you might have to, uh, for one issue, create a support ticket with vendor A saying, yes, your system is slow. And then for a different issue, contact a, a, a different vendor again. While if you look at a monolithic uh, system like Salesforce Commerce Cloud, you create a support ticket and whether it's in the front end, maybe a network issue, your CDN uh, or any other system hosted by Salesforce, it's one place and they will mm -hmm. figure out where it's going wrong. But if you have six vendors, yeah, you need to first figure out which vendor it is, then create a support ticket and then hope that that was the correct vendor that was causing the issue because you can still be wrong. Yeah, I read be be between the lines that this is a, a more complex uh, setup. Does it also mean that this is typically some something for customers with a larger uh, team working on it? Yes and no. It depends on how complex you want to take it. Like I said at the beginning, you can uh, make it very complex, make everything a, a microservice, uh, talk with different vendors, but you can also do it in on a simpler way. Just say, okay, we're separating our front end from our back end. This means that we can do campaigning, maybe do some marketing campaigns a bit more flexible than if it was one big system. And you have two systems to worry about. Of course, you might need one or two persons more than you would with a monolithic, but you definitely don't need teams of 20, 50 people because it's still quite a simple structure. You have your front end and your back end and those two are talking to each other. And yeah, it's, it's as complex as you want to make it. Uh, you have the choice. Uh, there's a lot of flexibility within the term headless mm -hmm. and taking an approach towards maybe moving from a monolithic to a headless approach. You can do this in baby steps. It's not, you don't have to do it in one go you can do it over a couple of years maybe let's look at maybe a roadmap you mm -hmm. you are interested in an application but you don't have one yet and but your e-commerce platform provides apis maybe build that application alone first keep your monolithic structure but then build your application using those apis test them out see if it works for you are you able to sustain or is it is it what you expected it to be and then say maybe okay let's let's do this also for our e-commerce side one year mm -hmm. or two years later depending on your planning your priorities etc and say okay it worked for the app 
But yeah, we want that app feel also for the storefront uh, of our website, maybe something mm -hmm. really similar. And then do the storefront, separate that as well. Uh, and then look at maybe a kiosk in the store or uh, your register, an extra screen next to your register that talks to the e-commerce platform to get your customers, for example. There are ways to do this. And the order I'm talking about, you can switch that around completely. First yep. start with the screen next to your register, then move to your website, then build an app. But this, the way you do this, you decide. It's mm. The advantage, like I said, of Headless is the flexibility. It fits really well with Agile. So that means that you can really, yeah, make flexible decisions on how you approach headless. You can go very simple and add complexity along the way. So your organization has time to adapt to that complexity. If you at one point notice, okay, we need someone extra uh, to help us support someone with the technical knowledge to keep track of everything that's going on in our organization, then you have the time because you're slowly raising the complexity of your setup from a simple separating backend from frontend or maybe just a, a separate application and just slowly uh, move yeah slowly grow the complexity mm -hmm. of your system with the size of your company yeah but before we dive into what this means uh, in the in the salesforce landscape um, headless has become a real buzzword uh, in the in the e-commerce industry um, does that mean that the other way is old-fashioned it doesn't mean that the old way is old-fashioned. I mean, you have very modern systems, a monolithic uh, system, and still companies starting out now providing a omni-channel, as they call, system that does it all. You really have to figure out what fits for you, what fits within your organization at that time and also for the coming years. Because, of course, when you choose a platform for your e-commerce uh, or order management or any other big system uh, to handle all of that information... Yeah, it's a big decision. Mm -hmm. So you need to see what fits within my organization, what are people willing to work with. Because if you go for an overly complex architecture, but you're not using any of it, then... Yeah, yeah you're you, spending money you're for spending nothing. You're spending money for nothing. You made a very flexible system because you can... If you take composable commerce, as they say, you can take your promotion engine take it out and put a different system in, uh, in there, a different promotion it might be better uh, that supports other promotions that you want to do and just replace that promotion engine. But if you're not planning to use the, to, to interchange those systems within the next six years, then why make it so flexible if you're not going to use the flexibility, if you're not planning on doing anything with it? So then a monolithic structure works perfectly fine. Uh, then... That's what you can use. Yeah. Uh, and it can also be a, a modular system. A monolithic does not mean that it is not a, a modular system, that you cannot plug in external systems uh, within it. It's just a different way of working and a different flexibility uh, compared to headless. Okay. If we, if we zoom into Salesforce Commerce Cloud, how has Salesforce implemented this headless ID into their product? Yeah, so for that, we need to go a bit back into the years. Uh, in Commerce Cloud, the first real move towards uh, Headless would be the Open Commerce API. It was released many years ago. And that allowed applications to be built or external systems to talk to Commerce Cloud. This had a lot of APIs, but not everything was accessible through APIs. And that is still growing. Uh, then the... Uh, New commerce APIs were released uh, a few years back to with MuleSoft in the middle uh, to to give you a bit more control and also 
for performance reasons uh, help you with your, your headless journey. So there's two options now within the Commerce Cloud uh, environment. And that gave you a lot of APIs to do all of your e-commerce. You can do your baskets, your product data, searching, uh, customer data, etc. All of that is available within, uh, within Commerce Cloud. But of course, that was your body. So we're talking about headless. So Commerce Cloud is the body, but of course, Salesforce still needed to mm -hmm. find a head. Now, uh, maybe uh, something I heard before, the neck could be MuleSoft. So you have a head, <laughs> you have a body. And in some cases, MuleSoft was the neck. Uh, if we're looking at the commerce APIs, because that's MuleSoft, mm -hmm. they are already added a neck. But the head was still missing. Uh, so then, yeah, Salesforce started to look like, okay, there's a gap that we can fill. Uh, and they found Mobify, uh, a company already partnershiped with, uh, with Salesforce and has now been acquired uh, quite a while ago and has yeah, been rebranded to the PWA managed runtime, uh, which gives you the, the front end based on React, uh, which is a very popular programming language that you will find a lot more developers for than you would find for SFRA. Uh, it is the way it is as a commerce cloud is a niche market, especially to find developers with experience. Mm -hmm. um, and with a headless approach, the store from being in React will give you the flexibility to find people who have no prior knowledge of commerce cloud, but do know React and they need to learn the APIs of commerce cloud. So now that there's the PWA kit, uh, you have your front end, your storefront, and your back end all within the ecosystem of Salesforce. And why is this a very interesting thing? Uh, and this is also for me personally, uh, I'm not a hardware, hardware person. Mm -hmm. I like programming. Uh, I like the architecting, but I do not like managing servers. That's not something I like to do. There's a lot of people like me mm -hmm. who say, I just want to write lines of code and the deployment should be easy. And if something is wrong with performance, let someone who likes doing that take control of that. Yeah, because that's one of the reasons many customers choose for Salesforce Commerce Cloud. It is because you get a, a package where Salesforce take ownership of hardware, scaling, all that kind of stuff. And I was a little bit uh, worried when I heard you talking about uh, headless that you would need to um, foresee your own uh, yeah, servers, front-end servers and so on. But am I correct to understand that that isn't the case and that it is still the Salesforce platform which uh, that front-end layer is running on? Yeah, so uh, it's still a separate system, uh, separate servers that it's running on, but it is managed. So that's where the managed runtime in the name of the uh, PW PWA managed runtimes comes from. They will manage your runtime for you, uh, but that's optional. Of course, you can still choose to go to do your own thing. If you say, okay, we already have a team that does cloud. Uh, mm -hmm. we, we have a Google or a Azure team that can spin up servers, does monitoring, does it really well, uh, knows how to restart a server, knows how to debug issues. It's perfectly fine. But if your organization does not have those people and does not want to worry about performance, about scaling during the Black Friday, for example, or the holiday period, then you can choose for the managed runtime together with the PWA kit. It's fully managed by Salesforce. If there's a performance issue, hopefully not. Uh, but 
then you can just create a support ticket like you've done before and Salesforce will look at your issue. It will, all of the hardware, uh, ECDN, making sure that your site is performant all over the world. It's just a drop down away saying, okay, I want the best performance in this region uh, for this server and uh, the CDN, et cetera, for your images, caching, all of that server stuff, all of the, mm -hmm. the stack that you would have to spin, spin up yourself is taken into the hands of Salesforce. They have people managing that. They know their stuff. They're, they're, that's what they're good at. So let the people who do servers good and they know how to handle it, do the monitoring, let them handle the, stu the, the, the hard stuff with, mm -hmm. with the servers and let the development team create the code and do what they're best at and create new experiences for clients and customers uh, and, and work with React and just click deploy, so to speak, and let the magic happen uh, yeah. and let Salesforce handle the, the performance and the scaling for you. Yeah, you already talked about um, Salesforce is, has, has been introducing those APIs uh, already a few years ago and it's, it's taking steps to going uh, headless. Are we already at the finish line there or are there still steps to take? No, uh, as people from Salesforce say, it's a journey both for the customers and for Salesforce as well. Uh, if you look at Commerce Cloud, it is a monolithic system. If you look at SFRA, your storefront, your backend runs on the same system. And features like uh, sitemap generation, SEO, uh, A-B testing are all built into the platform within SFRA and or SiteGenesis, if, if, mm. if people are still running on that. But for the headless approach, some of those features are not yet available through the API. If you look at Page Designer, which is a very, well, new tool, I wouldn't say. It's been, been around now for a couple of years. Uh, and that is still growing in features, but there is no real API available for that. They, the basis has been set. You can create your own API for that, but to expose it to the, to the uh, external systems, you still need to do development. Um, also, A-B testing isn't uh, in there yet, while it is in SFRA, or at least a basic form of... Uh, I think a lot of uh, customers already use a third party for A-B testing, but now you will have to do that for everything. Uh, your sitemap generation, SEO settings, metadata, etc. Of course, within the PWA kit, they're already implemented in a different way, but they are not integrated yet with the body, so to speak. So the, yeah. there's still steps to take, uh, but there is time to, to, to build those features. Now, they're critical. SEO is critical. Sitemaps are critical. A-B testing, especially, mm -hmm. uh, you want to compare what you're doing, but there are solutions to that problem. Uh, and that, that is yeah, a challenge for both the partners implementing and for Salesforce itself to make sure that they pri prioritize the correct features to make sure that on the roadmap, the most needed features are released first. It's, uh, I mean, the PWA kit was released last year, August, which is the, the first front end made available. And over the last couple of months, a lot of steps have been made by the team of PWA kit, and it has been made completely open source, which means that... Not only people from Salesforce are making improvements, but they've given the source code publicly, mm. which means that also partners, customers can actually submit their own improvements. So it's more like a team effort, both Salesforce and looking at their partners and their customers to make sure that the correct features are being added. And if maybe someone implements a feature and they want to share it with the world, it's open source. They can create a pull request. And mm -hmm. if Salesforce decides, yeah, this is something we want for everyone, they can, they can add it to the code. And open communication with that team is also... Uh, well, very open. Uh, 
uh, they are on the unofficial Slack community, uh, available in the PWA kit, in the uh, headless uh, channels, answering questions of developers like, we want to do this on your yeah. platform. How, how can we do this? I, I can't figure it out. Sometimes I even see them opening a Zoom call or, or, or a... Uh, a Google call with them saying, okay, let's let's look at your problem and we'll try to fix it together. So that's something really nice compared to the SFRA that we can actually talk to the people building the solution on the other side, yeah. both on the API side as PWA kit to give them feedback about their choices saying, okay, you did this, but might've done it a little bit different. And yeah, they, they are listening. Yeah, if, uh, and if I'm not mistaken, we were also part that forward in the in the beta cycles yeah. and already have a lot of experience in in working with uh, this new headless uh, yeah uh, way of working. Yeah, so once we saw the whole PWA kit coming, uh, I tried to get us into the beta months in advance uh, to to get the quick feel to what's what way Salesforce wanted to go with headless to get a feel to make sure that we were ready uh, to, to handle that way. Uh, we were at that time in the phase looking which languages are we gonna support, et cetera. And since Salesforce was already working on a solution, we wanted to see what way they were going. Uh, and React was one of the options, which was, uh, which, which was good. Um, and during the, the class, feedback was also provided by the people, uh, including me, uh, like Einstein, for example, was not on the roadmap with a bit of feedback during the classes saying, yeah, but, uh, this that's is kind of crucial. That's kind <laughs> of crucial, Einstein. This was changed on the roadmap uh, because of the feedback, which was really cool. nice. Yeah. Uh, it was not just us, but also other partners saying, no, 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 no. This is more priority than this feature. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's a fun way of working together. It's not just Salesforce doing their thing and saying, okay, you're going to do it the way that we wanted you to do. No, they're asking actively for feedback. Like, how are you using PWA Kit? How are you using our APIs? Is there something we're missing? What do we need to fix with regular surveys and, and office hours, as they call it, uh, to get our feedback? Within, okay. uh, if people are watching and they're, they're considering um, headless for their organizations, what's the best next step? Having a workshop to look at that roadmap, uh, like you suggested before, or... Yeah, I, I think the first thing, if they're interested in Headless, that uh, a workshop needs to be set up or at least a discovery meeting to, to see does Headless fit within your organization? What is your roadmap and how does this Headless fit within your organization? Uh, is the complexity worth the effort? Uh, are you going to use this? So, I mean, Headless offers a lot of flexibility, which means that it can be tailored towards okay. the, the company. So it's really on a case-by-case -case basis on how this can be implemented. can be from very complex to very simple, like I said before. Uh, it really depends on, on yeah, in what stage are you? Uh, do, do you have physical stores? Don't you have physical stores? Uh, do you have an application already? Are you planning to have a mobile application? Are you gonna go simply fully web, no physical stores? Mm -hmm. Do you want to do curbside pickup? Do you want to have a screen within the stores? Do you want to have a screen, uh, a tablet running around, well, people running around with tablets with extra features? You can go quite far and we need to see, yeah, what are you planning, what do you have, and then decide. Uh, how okay. you can continue with Okay, headless. we'll make sure to put some contact details somewhere around this video yep. uh, here or in the podcast release notes. Uh, Thomas, thank you very much for sharing your insights on uh, Headless. No problem. And you, thank you for watching. I hope to see you next time.